Dueling Genre Productions presents. Oh my god, do you see that? When a freak accident strikes McKinney City, ordinary citizens are given amazing abilities. I can move things with my mind. Oh my god, I'm flying. I can fly. I can teleport and I can fly. Super senses. What, like Daredevil? We are just playing fast and loose with this whole science thing today, aren't we? Now, there are villains. Billy, when you have an arch nemesis, do you just kill them immediately? No. You tie the ropes just loose enough so that they can keep escaping. That way, when you finally do win the day, you can sleep well knowing that you rose to the challenge. Your brain works differently than other people's, doesn't it? And heroes. Leah Markowitz, Gwendolyn Allen, Jeffrey Gibson, Mindy Gibson, Simon Holt, Splendid, you're all here. I'm going to make you all into superheroes. Screw it. Let's go save the day. The Powerful. After I drain everyone here, McKinney City will be mine. I'm going to show this whole city what real passion truly is. And the underdogs. You're all imagining me as a singing, dancing chipmunk right now, aren't you? The people in that store need help, and we can help them in a way no one else can. We have great power, which means they're our responsibility. I mean, Jesus, what's the point of having five freaking Spider-Man movies if we can't even learn to do that? Geek by Night, an original podcast series about five friends running a comic book store with superpowers. You're really going to keep running a comic book shop while trying to be superheroes? It might not always be easy, but I think the world could use a few more underdogs. Available at DuelingGenre.com and podcast apps everywhere. Dueling Genre Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist Podcast, where each week we talk about a great character in a great story, except when we don't. And this is one of those special episodes. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And we're going to be doing a special Halloween-themed episode and also a special 150th episode. They coincide. And as has become an annual tradition, we are joined for for our Halloween episode by Todd Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's good to be back all scary and everything. Yeah. It would not be a Halloween episode if we didn't have you on. I think this is officially three years running, correct? It is. So we did our uh, Mount Rushmore Fear, and then last year we pitched uh, what was it? just just uh, random random adaptations, <laughs> blending yeah, great, of Halloween monsters and genres. Uh, great for, monster stories. Yeah. For I went Halloween. back and I was like that Loch Ness thing. I want to pick that. I want to for reals pitch it. <laughs> That one. Which Loch Ness? Because we we each it was the waiting. It was the waiting for Guffman Loch Ness monster. Yes, uh, fake reality television show. Oh, that's not the one I was thinking of immediately. (laughs) I was thinking of Joe's uh, Nessie in space. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I immediately (laughs) thought of. I really threw a lot uh, into the blender for that one. There was a lot of spaghetti on that wall. (laughs) There was uh, that was something. It was really it was pure creative energy. Uh, Well, we are going to do a Halloween-themed discussion in just a little bit. But first, we want to say thank you to our listeners for helping us reach 150 episodes. And Yeah. (laughs) We we wouldn't be doing this if no one was listening, which was our initial fear when we started a podcast, that no one would listen. (laughs) Now look at us. Part of a great network with podcasting friends. 
Yes, and traditions. Uh, lots of guests have come on, uh, and and so it's it's definitely uh, become more than I think what we could have hoped for at the beginning. So thank you, listeners, for uh, each and every one of you for helping us uh, to do this, and also thank you to producer Andrew. Uh, without you, I know we would not have had 150 episodes without a miss <laughs> on a week. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm still really? amazed that like we haven't had a miss or some sort of thing because a lot of podcasts have. I mean, even even like big, popular, long-running ones have had uh, miss weeks or... Well, it's not Jinx anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not, not go wood on that. That's a wooden bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we've done pretty solid. It's been a good so. run. It's been a good run. And uh, thank you, Todd Peterson, for being one of our returning guests. We've had uh, a few who have, have made frequent appearances. It's been every Halloween, right? Yeah, every Halloween. And you've also come on for several comic book discussions. And That's so right. I, I checked recently, and I think I joined you guys first in episode 18. What was Did your you first episode? Cause, uh, it was the Marvel draft. Yeah, it was Marvel oh, draft. Oh, it was a special episode. And then we had you on for talk about Batman. And mm-hmm. you've been on for the Halloween episodes. That's right. And I think we did we do one other can't remember and you'll be on our next episode little teaser for our listeners <laughs> uh well since this is 150 episodes i just wanted to uh do a quick uh acknowledgement of what our most popular episodes by download are uh and this is not necessarily by any other metric by, by feedback that we get on facebook or anything this is just which of our episodes have had the most downloads and it is a very eclectic list, which I think is fitting <laughs> for the way this podcast goes, where we bounce between so many different mediums and genres and uh, styles of story. So our 10th most downloaded is another Todd Peterson special. It was uh, yes. last year's Halloween special coming in at number 10. You made the list. Right on. Way so, to go, and man. That, that was uh, Halloween uh, special pitches. Yes. Similar yeah. to this one, but a little different. Yeah. Uh, at number nine, we have our Doctor Strange, The Oath miniseries uh, episode. So That's not one I would have expected, but maybe it I got a little not. attachment to the movie. Yeah, it had good timing. We released it right when the movie's coming out, and maybe we, we caught a little uh, draft there. Uh, number eight, Psych, uh, the TV show. Which uh, maybe we'll see some more downloads when uh, there's more buzz around that uh, property for the upcoming Christmas movie that'll be on the USA Network. And then uh, number, what number are we on? Seven. This is, I think, our our first big watershed. Well, well, it's not our first, but it's our biggest watershed moment where it's like, oh, something's happening, guys. And this was Watership Down. That that was astounding. (laughs) What a blast. And, and, uh, I mean, it's a good episode. So if there's, if there's, you know, a, a random episode that people are coming across, that's a strong one for them to find because you guys had a real good discussion. I think that definitely has our most, uh, like social media engagement too was, yeah. mm-hmm, was that episode. Uh, and it just kept spreading and like we were watching the download numbers and like, guys, this is, uh, like within a week, I think it became our most downloaded episode and that was very unexpected. And it held for it us. for a very long time. Yeah. At, uh, number six, The Dark Knight. Uh, and we, I believe we had special guest Henry Dorowski, my nephew, on for that one. Uh, our nephew. Yes, our nephew. I, re- I recorded that episode sitting on a bed in a hotel room at Bryce Canyon with, like, the worst internet ever. <laughs> over Which is saying something, considering you spent, what, how many weeks in Spain <laughs> while recording? Like, and you stealing, were wi- up to stealing the Wi-Fi from the, from the router across the street. <laughs> yeah, um, that Dark Knight episode, I will never forget. 
<laughs> All right, number five, Anne of Green Gables. What would you expect to come after a Batman Whoa. episode than Anne of Green Gables on our list of most downloaded? That's amazing. Uh, following Anne of Green Gables, we had Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, our second Harry Potter episode. Be on the lookout for a third Harry Potter episode coming out soon, listeners. At uh, number three, Calvin and Hobbes, our only newspaper comic strip we've ever done. And I have vivid, vivid memories of that recording because we recorded it like 20 minutes after I came home from the hospital with a newborn child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was that one. I forgot that. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and after uh, Calvin and Hobbes, what else would you expect to find on the list than Catcher in the Rye coming in at number two? Ooh. And then uh, number one. Northern Exposure. That is our most downloaded episode, is Northern hey. Exposure. It still kind of blows my mind. What that is amazing. A strange list of stories to have all together. Um, is there... That covers all the, the different memes. Yeah, we right? had... Uh, there are two comics in there. One special episode in there. Uh, let's see. Anna Green Gables was a TV show, so that's... Uh, like three TV, TV shows. miniseries. Yeah, we did three TV shows in there. There are two novels in there. And uh, one film? Is it only one film? Only, only one film in only there. Only the Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. Dark Knight. So every every medium that we cover regularly was represented and uh, a range of genre and uh, eras from when it was when the work was produced. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'd say most of those are you know like in the grand scheme of things, relatively recent, like eighties on, right? Yeah. Um. So nothing, nothing digging too far back into like the eighteen hundreds or seventeen hundreds yeah, yeah, or like anything like that. But again, uh, wow. thank you, listeners, for letting us talk about such a wide array of of stories. And uh, I just, it, it's so uh, like it, it really special to be able to look at that top ten list and say these are all over the map, and yet this is our these are our most downloaded episodes. And that says to me we shouldn't like uh, stick to any kind of topic too closely. I, I think the eclectic <laughs> nature of this podcast seems to work. Uh, also, in in all of that time, just. To recount some things, uh, Joseph's had one child. I have had one child. Also, I got married uh, and moved. Yeah. And Todd's been in Spain. Todd's for been a in bunch Spain. Of uh, Todd has moved partway across the country. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We used to be in the same time zone. Now we're balancing all sorts of things. Yeah. Yes. So uh, there's been a few uh, life events. Yeah. But uh, three years and, and we plan to, you know, get another three years in the books. At least. <laughs> Another 300 years to, to get through all the media that's out there. Yeah, I know. The, I the mission statement is to talk about every great character and every great story. I love looking at this list, and I have, like, a concrete memory associated with every single one of these things that we recorded. Like, it's just, uh, it's awesome. This has been such a cool experience. Oh, this. and I, I also want to 100% acknowledge that some of my favorite episodes have come from works that were suggested to us by listeners that I had never even heard of in some cases before, yeah. but I certainly had never engaged in before. And, and so many of those have become like favorite works that I've ever and, read. And or almost watched. definitely you wouldn't have discussed them mm-hmm. uh, without the listener I'm looking recommendations. I'm looking at you loose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listener suggestions and uh, the Patreon picks. So, it, like, please, uh, those Patreon picks are worth a lot more to us than just the, the the money that goes in. Like, the pick itself is really significant. Think, uh, Northern Exposure was definitely a Patreon pick. I think Catcher in the Rye and uh, Watership Down were both Patreon picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Knight was. Yep. So, uh, yeah, please keep those coming. 
So once again, we're going to be doing a Halloween special with special guest Todd Peterson. In the past, we've built a Mount Rushmore of Fear, and we did special uh, pitches. And this year, what we're going to do is have a- producer Andrew ha- has four hats. In one hat, there are creatures or... Yes, that is in uh, my, my go-to, uh, some call it Castro-style hat. Okay. Uh, that has the creatures or threats. Creatures or threats, because again, Halloween-themed, we're looking for supernatural, and we're looking for spooky. And this is loosely Halloween-themed, okay. but somewhat so, halloween So he's going to draw something from that hat, and then he's going to draw from his Newsy-style hat. What is inside that one? Uh, the Newsy-style cap has a location and or time period. Okay, so then we're going to combine a, a threat uh, or being and a time period from your uh, Indiana Jones-style hat. What, yeah, the what in- is in there? Indiana Jones fedora has the uh, featured performer... Or okay. performers. So we're imagining most of these as TV shows or films, and we will pull an actor or actress that's going to come mm-hmm. uh, and be a part of this project. And then from the uh, Mickey Mouse Fantasia wizard style hat. Uh, it's Sorcerer <laughs> Mickey hat. Sorcerer Mickey hat. Let's use the correct Disney terminology. I do a Disney podcast. All right. What? Uh... <laughs> it is the genre. So so they're all, you know, roughly Halloween concept wise, but uh, we, we've got the other genres uh to incorporate. So we're going to get one uh, piece of paper from each of these hats, and then Todd Mack, Todd Peterson, and I will workshop a story idea mm-hmm. live on air for you. This is It's, it's supposed to be um, an example of the process that you and Todd have gone through during all those real pitch episodes. Yes, we've done a handful of elevator pitch episodes. And, and- I feel like going through the process could be uh, a little more fun and also a little easier on everybody. <laughs> And whatever you don't draw out of the hats right now can stay. Yeah, for future episodes. All right, let's uh, do our first workshop. So here is is the uh, the creature or threat. Our first creature or threat is going to be the creature from the Black Lagoon. <gasps> yes. I, I, I was hoping that one would make it in. Uh, the second uh, note says Todd Peterson choice. Oh, and this wow. is for time period or, or right? Uh, yeah, time, time or location. Or location. Wait to the other factors and then try to th- throw a zig or zag in. I think it's better if you pick now. Okay. Pick now. Um, Lake Superior. <laughs> but just Lake Superior. Do, um, do you have a time period you want us to be? Oh, uh, it, you don't have to. It could it, that can be up for debate later. Let's leave that loose. Okay. okay. Featured uh, player. This is going to be a project that will star. It says take two others. Oh, you get to draw <laughs> two more. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting all these really wild, special wild cards. Yeah, I, I, I had no fun idea. with this. What Andrew put in these hats? We're going to be sawing uh, <laughs> Taraj P Henson. Taraj P Henson. Taraj. Uh, you might know her from. Person of Interest, or mm-hmm. Empire, or uh, Hidden Figures, mm-hmm. and Rupert Grint, who <laughs> <laughs> you would know as Ron from the Harry Potter films. So Taraji P. Henson and Rupert Grint. Okay, oh my gosh. And, I'm going to be uh, starring in a Creature from the Black Lagoon story, Lake set Superior, on Lo- Lake Superior, and it is going to be what genre? It's going to be a sci-fi film, guys. Okay. Guys, the, the thing that kind of tripped me up at first was the sci-fi element. But I'm thinking now, in order to make the Creature from the Black Lagoon science fiction, Taraji P. Henson is a scientist who opens a portal. And out comes the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. 
we don't have to go with that. We're workshopping live. You you can shoot this down. But that's where I started to try and connect those items. Is it a I think the most interesting Is it like a dimensional portal or is it like a magic portal like from Hellboy? I was thinking dimensional. So the creature is So almost like a Pacific Rim type portal. Oh. Right. Yeah. Or or are we not from like another dimension, but is it a portal to like another planet somewhere? Like a Oh my gosh, Agents of Shield. Maybe. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... Todd is still watching it, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Am I ever? <laughs> <laughs> so, this is my question. In, in historically in the movie, I mean, what could be interesting about this is this thing where it's sort of reboot rebooting, you know, like that could be the pitch. Hey, remember mm-hmm. how we had Godzilla um the Toho films from the 50s? Now we have this new Godzilla. This could be like, hey, it's a creature from Black Lagoon, but how does Let, let's get this new creature yeah, from the Black yeah, Lagoon? Yeah, and so we could say, hey, we did. We had this creature that when he appeared first, it's like nobody knows how he got here. Well, this is a story about how these things get here. So what if there's mm. like creatures from the Black Lagoon, but that first film was just about one of them, and like alien to aliens. Mm-hmm. Now this is about like one comes. And then another comes and then they keep coming. So, so like the it, trouble with tribbles, but it's the, creatures. Are you mind. saying the portals open or is the creature okay. laying eggs? I've got, maybe this is somewhat, uh, the, the nature of these actors, but I see Rupert Grint actually accidentally opening the portal and Taraji P. Henson figuring out that he's done this. Right. And, and that's saying, <laughs> I do, do want to ask about the sci-fi elements still. Is it, is that the only science fiction is this portal or are you setting it in the future? Or do we have robots and giant neon signs? Oh, it has to be like every other thing. Once a thing comes and people know it's there, somebody wants to like super soldier it. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Don't they? I mean, but, but if, yeah. if, if, um, Rupert opens this thing and then once it's opened, I don't know, it like flaps. So it's like close and then open. And this is what Taraji P. Henson learns. Like, wait, oh, this the, thing is opening and closing is, and opening um, and closing. And then er, when it opens, like one or two or five or seven of these things go into Lake Superior. <laughs> I feel like the most interesting thing about this, uh, this setup is this pair of actors. Um, like, <laughs> like I'm, trying to, I'm trying to imagine it, there might be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine, like, what is their relationship? Do they know each other? Does he do this unwittingly? Does he, is he, I, like, I, think uh, he does, I mean, he plays that very well. Yes. It is all so of our scene in play, so. How does one unwittingly open a portal to another dimension or planet? By touching the button that Taraji P. Henson says, don't touch that. <laughs> so they do know each other. Maybe. I no, I'm I'm thinking more like uh he uh okay classic uh like scary movie thing. It's a dare go into the creepy government facility and prove you were there. So he he's like touching something or, or trying to get like a piece of evidence to prove he was there. Unwittingly, he opens the portal. Um, late at night. I was imagining like he's on the he's on the shores of Lake Superior. His girlfriend just dumped him. He's like kicking rocks or something. And he sees uh, something glowing in the water, or something shiny, <laughs> like in a like in Grand Hotel. <laughs> Grand Hotel. He says, "I see something shiny," and immediately strips off his shirt. <laughs> and uh, 
And then he, you know, he touches the something that's shiny and and opens up the portal, and then she gets called in as like as a, a scientist clean, a cleanup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the age difference will be perfect there. The age difference plus her resting face. <laughs> like he's just doing and, and, and his resting and face where he's like goofy yeah. and like doing stuff and she's just looking at him like stop it. And so her <laughs> it seems like what would be great for her is to really sort of go over and over and over again. You did what? <laughs> like explain to me the sequence one more time. <laughs> I saw something shiny. <laughs> I swam in the water. <laughs> I touched the shiny shirt. thing. Why? Why did you touch the shiny thing? It was shiny. What? I don't understand. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? Like, well, he was just like. I just they're, they're both thinking. Just like constantly, they're both thinking. It's like, why don't you get it? <laughs> See, what if he does that, and then all of a sudden he's hauled in front of her, like she's like the whatever the like Amanda Waller. Uh, yeah, she's she's an authority figure. Right. Yeah, she's, she's the grand inquisitor. Yeah, she's like so, the grand inquisitor of so, mythological creature. Yeah, so the security team is well, that's saying fantasy. Here's the sci-fi, sci-fi. Yeah, so it would be like oh, uh, I don't know, Doctor Patterson. This guy, it, he's here's the guy who touched the thing, and that's like mm-hmm. that's like the the precipitating thing. And she's like, well, all I'm trying, to, maybe all she's trying to do is just keep a lid on it. Now, do they immediately know that the well, creature has come saying, out, or or is that kind of like end of first act reveal? It's like, oh, and there's a creature out. Wait, and do they think they people. closed it before a creature got out? Maybe, and then they learn, nope, something came through. Yeah, like the the whole goal. Her goal is to, like you said, close it before chaos. So, uh, so you would have early on, like first fifteen minutes, one got out. One's no big deal. But there's more than one. Yeah, and so then th- if this thing keeps tripping, and then the next thing there's like five of them. All right, and uh, these creatures are they um, mindless, like just reactive, like like fight or flight responses, and they're fighting sometimes, they're hiding sometimes, or is there? I don't know enough about the creature from the Black Lagoon originally. I, uh, I've only I seen mean, the cover it, art. <laughs> I saw. Come on, guys! This is a classic. I mean, it it kidnaps women, right? Yeah, Yeah, it's it's kind of got a King Kong uh, thing going, Beauty and the Beast style. um, Okay, so so maybe not completely malicious or evil necessarily. My next question is: What does Rupert do after this? I I think he's just he's just there for the ride, and somehow he keeps surviving or being uh, unwittingly helpful. Why does he have to be along for the ride if he's just a guy that touched the glowing thing? Well, how long do you, like, are you envisioning this taking place across, like, several months or, like, one night? I don't know. I don't know. Because I was thinking it's, like, the night, and so he's just there, and everything keeps happening, and she's she's just grabbing him to keep him safe, but then he's there in the car with her, and it's like, okay. ah, this guy's still around. All right, okay. I got, I got, I, I think I can go with that. So, but I think he would be contained because, A, they're not going to kill him, but he can't go around talking about how he let loose a monster. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they they've detained him. Okay, yeah. yeah. So so you have to stay in the facility. So they, they until, escorted. Yeah, I mean, because they don't have like men in black pens to wipe to mind wipe. <laughs> although although we need a few more sci-fi elements. <laughs> right, but but maybe this could be something that they're watching because you know, like back in the fifties, one of these things like came up, and that was the original creature from the black lagoon yeah it came up it stole a couple women yeah it, it killed thing. some people they they you know uh i'm i'm on the wikipedias right now um 
But but I remember but watching this be. on a TNT Halloween night marathon of monster movies. That's when I watched Creature the, from the Black Lagoon. Wow. I feel like that's where trivia. It the music was by Henry Mancini. Are you kidding me? For real. But no. But if the idea, <laughs> um, so you know that really cool thing that happened in Fringe when Fringe referenced the X Files, this could say, ever since the fifties, we've been waiting to see if more of this. If there was more, or if this was some sort of evolutionary anomaly or whatever, but apparently no, they're coming up out of the bottom of Lake Superior from something that this guy just triggered. I, I, so I'm for it to be a sci-fi and not a not a uh, fantasy thing, I think it, they've got to be coming from another planet. Like, and, and it's alien technology is what gets triggered that he triggers, not like some magical stone, something, something that crashed like down that. in the lake or whatever. Yeah. So, are you suggesting, like, full on, this creature is an aquatic alien? Uh, Yeah, well, kind of blending a couple sci-fi fantasy ideas that get brought up a lot. Like, Stonehenge as uh, alien artifact, right? But still, still, like, fundamentally... Wait for it. At the bottom of some of the Great Lakes, there are Stonehenges. And we don't know why. So, so yes. almost sort of a, like a a like a, a druidic alien influence. Oh no! But I am. By the way, I'm not pitching something at the bottom yeah, of, of the Great Lakes. There are factually there are some Stonehenge like structures at the bottom Wait, of some what? of the Great Lakes. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm 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 digging that as the this sci-fi element, <laughs> um, where it's uh, like an alien beacon, ancient alien be- beacon do- doorway doorway yeah it is a portal a, a stargate type yes situation. yes there we go and stargate hard sci-fi i yes. mean come on guys that's definitely yeah. <laughs> really okay um i like this story I, yeah, yeah I, I i'm i'm on board with some of this okay all right should we how what are we at should we do another one now yeah i, I think well, i think let's see what else I comes think out that's of these enough hats. of a pitch um it doesn't necessarily have a conclusion yeah but this is ideas you, so give you, me a taster you've worked it out yeah. okay uh, new monster. New monster is going to be Mothman. <laughs> yeah, I love the Mothman. You got to listen to those episodes right. of, of lore for our listeners who oh, are perhaps God. unfamiliar with Mothman because it is a great urban legend, but it's a less prevalent one than something like Bigfoot. Who could give us a quick summary of Mothman? <sighs> Harbinger of of doom. And this is is it West Virginia? Is this where it's? Yeah. Um, I think uh, Ohio and and. Uh, and and that area, yeah, Midwest. Okay, Harbinger of Doom, like Mothman equals uh, impending doom, and it's a winged, large, human-sized creature and with glowing red eyes. Yeah, kind character. of bird-like, um, and it it has like landed in front of people's cars and and spooked them, and they try to drive away, and it it flies along with them yeah. for quite a ways, things like that. And then eventually, something terrible happens. Is that uh, yeah? I think I I think that one of the big ones was there was a. Bridge, a bridge collapse, collapse yeah. um, and and someone had seen the Mothman and felt like it gave him a prophecy that something was coming, and then he uh, correlated that to the bridge collapse somehow. Okay, so we've got the Mothman. If yeah, you're I'm, interested I'm in the Mothman, I was going to say we go- have to be careful here because there was a 2002 film called The Mothman Prophecies, starring Richard. That was Richard Gere. Yeah, we don't want to step on those. Which was based on a book about the Mothman. So, so our, okay, so, our so gonna go let's wide. just say we haven't read that book and we don't know that much. So. <laughs> It is okay. Well, I I think we're safe, guys, because our our setting is the future. Inter interstellar travel is viable. That is our setting for the yeah. Mothman story. <laughs> okay. So I, I think we're steering clear of that Richard Gear one. Also, Richard Gear is not in this uh, featured players hat. Okay. Or is he? It's Richard. Gere. Just kidding. <laughs> our our featured player is Emma Stone. Oh my gosh. 
And the, has she done any future sci-fi? I, I don't think so. Um, not that I can think of. And, and the, let's uh, get and our, our our genre. Our genre horror. So a <laughs> so horror. full on horror. Yeah. So we're going to be like in the alien territory yeah. where it's horror, but in outer space, mm-hmm. or or at least in the far future where such travel is possible. Starring Emma Stone, and we're dealing with the Mothman. All right, who wants to throw the first strand of spaghetti against the wall for our Mothman pitch? I have, I have a bridge. broad idea to set the tone. So, right. it's the future interstellar travel is possible, so we're going places. What if the core idea is that the mytholo- Earth mythology like accompanies them? So in in the broadest okay. possible version, the Mothman or like the um, what was that one we did in the monster thing, the the New Jersey Devil, or the Jersey Devil, Jersey Devil, love the Jersey so, Devil. So what if as people start populating these places, then Solaris like some of the stuff people remember from the old folklore, like shows up on on these like distant planets where they're at these outposts just, just like um you get transitional folklore from uh europe right. into colonial america the y- exactly. you know these legends from the old country kind of manifest again or or, or are adapted well and the question is is it really manifesting or is this just a superstitious group of colonists mm-hmm. and and do and so <laughs> if you're going to go to deep themes this is what people need like they're in this place. It's completely foreign. Well, what's one of the things they would do to reconstruct home? Well, their fears, the monsters that used to populate, you know, because West Virginia, et cetera, et cetera, you know, a, a frontier place or whatever. But mm-hmm. that, but if that's the broad idea that says, okay, in that context, what could we do with this idea? And I love the term transitional folklore because it's usually there's there's so much of like. Futuristic science fiction or space opera is really about the technological, but what if it's really more about the cultural, um, I folkloric love that. stuff that might happen? Like, why are we, why are think- we a million light years away or whatever and we're seeing the same kind of monster? Yeah. Well, and if uh, we're we're saying that the Mothman is a harbinger of tragedy, I think colonizing a new planet there'd be plenty of tragedies that people would start to get superstitious yes. about. And I'm just I'm just throwing this out there, space bridge. Then it's then it, then you can use kind of the bridge thing that someone blamed on the Mothman. Yes, and it can even be and called so you the have that, bridge. Yeah, and so you have this this space bridge. If one of those collapsed and they can lost you find on, space bridge, I'm thinking that's the yeah that's your interstellar travel. Okay. Um, and so we, we, we're going with a lot of portals <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Um, but if like, if one of those, that was their method of travel, one of those collapses and they're and, cut off and people are talking about, well, no, because it collapsed, oh, they're now cut off they're entirely. Cut off. Oh, that's good. Oh. Cause, Cause their bridge is gone. And now it's like, what happened? Like, was it sabotaged? And, and then someone's talking about like the Mothman from the, like the stories of the Mothman and the bridge. Like, this is just like that. Yeah. And then the question goes, do you want it to be mysterious like Solaris or actually a manifestation? Uh Like, is there a thing that can read up some sort of collective consciousness and said, okay, if I don't want you coming into the new territory, then I'm going to Scooby-Doo you like and and create a monster (laughs) to scare you. And so it's like, don't don't come into our places. What is Emma Stone's role in this? 
That's guess, that was my question. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the next thing. Is she a skeptic or is she a believer in Mothman? Hmm. Is she the one who is thinking that he's real? Like she's the one that thinks she saw him and then the bridge collapsed. Or she And then she's panicking or, or, and, and everyone's like no, it's not a thing. Calm down. Yeah, this isn't real. Or she, the skeptic, saying, guys, this isn't real, but it's constantly, like, feels like it's right behind her, and she never quite sees it. I think she would be, like, the... If there's a space bridge and periodically missions travel along it, I see Emma Stone as the mission commander. Mm-hmm. Like, this thing happens, and then all, all of a sudden, she's holding it together. She's the one that has to, like, convince the colony, guys... It's going to be okay. We're cut like, off from... They'll, they'll reestablish yeah, the connection. We'll, we, it'll get reestablished. We can fix this. We can survive until and it's she's fixed. she's like, I got to do but a then report. bad things keep so happening. I got to start asking people what happened and what they saw. And what she puts together is everybody's talking about some kind of Mothman. What's that? Yeah, because part of the question is like, did you see anything that, you know, anything weird that could have... Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like some and people other- have just been seeing stuff that's that's just weird enough. Yeah, but then other smaller like local tragedies just on the colony that they have mm-hmm. start to I happen. Like there needs- I feel like there needs to be some kind of concrete connection between this uh, other world and and like the concrete myth of the Mothman. So, uh, like whether it's are these West Virginians. Or does somebody have miners? A, does somebody have is, a text? Is that, where, is that where the like the bridge connects to Earth? Does somebody have a text, or is somebody like a grandson or a great grandchild of mm-hmm. somebody who talked about the Mothman? Like there has to be some some kind of concrete element that mm-hmm. introduces this into the psyche of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, it's just uh, com- coming out of nowhere. The way that I would do it is one person sees and describes to Emma Stone a Mothman. And another individual is sort of there listening to the transcription or whatever, you know, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. It's like uh, Van Dyke says he saw some kind of Mothman. And then the guy would come forth and say, well, what do you mean Mothman? And he says, well, he says it was like this, this, this. And it's like, well, you know, you want to know what? Where I'm from in West Virginia, this was a story from, you know, 200 years ago. There's a statue. Because yeah. I just there saw was a, it when I was looking yeah, at Mothman. There's a statue there's a in the statue. town I grew up in <laughs> that had that thing. And I don't know why this guy would know uh, that, uh-huh. but so and that would be the horror element. Like, how could he possibly know uh-huh. that? Like, maybe the guy being interviewed is like one of the Japanese members of the international team going across the space bridge, <laughs> um, which then you could have all kinds of fun with like Mothra and like all those old Japanese monster movies. <laughs> but they're like, there's no reason this guy from Japan would know anything about the Mothman from West Virginia. And so what's up? Yeah, and then that's where you get this the the terror. And I think to add to like the idea of horror, I think this colony, it's not on a barren rock. Like this is a planet with life and they're in like a contained dome, mm-hmm. but they but don't there's stuff out there. There's stuff out there that has not yet been explored. Yeah, occasionally so like I was on thinking the dome, something goes whoop, and sucks to the side. Yeah, and, and so like is this something from the planet itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want it to be like how hospitable? Like do they go out there without containment suits so I say like the leaving, mothman can get there if you're leaving the dome i'd say they're in they're in contained suits because this place is still being explored this okay. is still but what if they start you know, this isn't uh war of the worlds we're gonna let it cold kill off the entire so population what if saying, <laughs> we can't find anything else on the planet that's like this mothman like there are alien creatures but but, but no nothing, seen... nothing like what's yeah, described and so there, yeah. these would be a cool like we don't have any other accounts of yeah of this we're finding critter. things like this and like this and like this but not like that Nothing humanoid sized. Right. Yeah, no, nothing 
on this planet seems to have evolved. Ooh, way. I like that part. That would be really cool visually to tell that story. Like, here's the stuff we're finding. Well, it's not a monster. But then you, but then you still have like the element of like, well, maybe they're not crazy. Because if it's like a barren rock and they start saying there's a Mothman, it's like, well, you're crazy. But this right. time it's like, well, maybe it's something but, we haven't seen like, yet. There is stuff there, and <laughs> like, maybe like, you, you just haven't explored it. I mean, there's life everywhere, yes. but nothing like this. And then, and, and then, then another and person then, sees it, and, and right. they haven't heard about like completely unrelated from the person Emma Stone had. Mm-hmm. There's no way they would have heard rumors spreading through the Connie yet. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so and Emma Stone gets it. to be like Laura Rosling, like keep it down, contain this, don't let people start talking about this. But all of a sudden, because if it gets panicky while the bridge isn't yeah, connected, everybody's going to freak out. Big problem, and and that's that's part of building the horror part of the story. And then somebody else comes in and says, "I don't want to freak you out, but I just saw a Mothman." And then like, uh, and uh, but, okay. something goes wrong with their dome, like the containment gets broken where the guy yeah. saw the Mothman. Or well, and like then my other question was like, did he see it inside or outside the dome? Like, how how well lit is this? That's dome? how you yeah. would build. Like at some point, it has to get inside the dome. Yeah, you have to build yeah. that oh, yeah. across the second act. Like the second act would be this thing getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. That's the genius of Alien. Like you just never know when mm-hmm. this thing is going to turn up. Well, and, and also you have to have the you have to believe it's been resolved, but then it really hasn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you think the act is closed. Like <laughs> you, you have a third act finale. Like they, we're in they the you find a way to like lock down the the dome and like okay, I think we're secure. And then like the power goes out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I, I, I think I we think worked up that one well. There's there's some good stuff in there. Are you guys comfortable moving on to the next one? Yeah, you could pass that to a script doctor. <laughs> let's write, let's start writing this, guys. Let's <laughs> okay. Tell us gold go out of our some hands. Commas and send it in. Sprinkle in some commas. <laughs> New monster. Our next creature is Todd Max Choice. Oh, Todd, you can choose whatever you want. Any monster that I want. Any threat of any kind that would fit yeah. in a Halloween. There may or may not be natural disasters, you know, that are viable. <laughs> It's just something that would feel like a Halloween story. A good Halloween story. Hmm. I know you listen to lore. You've got you've got plenty on hand. I I do listen to lore. Um, Mothman was a good one. That's actually really really like that. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, vampires. All right, vampires. Okay. Our setting is the Old West. Yes! Nice! <laughs> I love this! <laughs> oh, is this our featured player? Yeah, featured player. This is this is important. Our featured player is going to be Sigourney Weaver. Oh, always gold. I'm, I'm glad we didn't have her in space. <laughs> yes, that would have been <laughs> in a horror film in space. <laughs> two on the nose. <laughs> Old and, West Vampires with Sigourney Weaver. And wait, it is the genre... <laughs> Guys, whatever you were thinking, throw it out the window because the genre assignment is a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so wherever you were going, it wasn't there, I'm mm, sure. This is the best. <laughs> I like right, I'd say let's just start workshopping this one right now with the initial question, is she the vampire? That's, that's the, or is she that's in love the with first the question I was going to have. <laughs> which, which side of the equation is she? I kind of want her to be the vampire. Let's go with it. It's I okay. wanted. Sure. I also wanted her to be the madam of a house of ill repute in a frontier town, <laughs> who's also a vampire. Well, I mean, if we what what are the jobs that exist in an old west town based on our stereotypes of old west stories? You have the saloon owner, the sheriff, 
and the house of ill repute. Yeah. Right? Is there anything else that's happening? A bank. I guess uh, there's a bank. There's a there's a bank and there's a livery and farmers. Stable. But yes. the only thing that the culture would have allowed a woman to do is house of ill repute or teacher. Like, you know, little house on the prayer. Oh. Oh, wait. wait. Now, I want her to be a vampire teacher. Yeah, the teacher sounds good. <laughs> but she can't. She, that... she would only be able to teach night classes. <laughs> or just indoor. She never leaves. Everyone gets weird about that. Yeah, it's like uh, that teacher lives in the school. <laughs> I feel Come like if, children. She, if she's the madam of, of a house oh. of ill repute, there are ample opportunities for, uh, you know. It's a better challenge to make her the school teacher and she like the door opens and she's just standing inside the shadows and, she's and always, it's sunny outside. Come in children. Come in Wait children. She's the school marm. Why does there have, and that's, that's kind of terrifying in its own way. Why does way. there have to be one vampire? Oh, there doesn't. What if one of the vampires I, is the school teacher and the other vampire is the madam of the house of ill repute? Okay. And are, so is the vampire in love with the vampire or when they the can't cross the town? Oh, they can never go see each other. Too bright oh and sunny. God. Yeah, there's no shadows. <laughs> there's no, no, shadows that's the hilarious. Bus, but what about at night? Two vampires. <laughs> that it, that it's, it's fine at night. <laughs> with entirely different roles in this Western town. Do they know? Do they know that, that they're vampires? What if they suppose at the beginning? Okay, they well, suppose. well, the thing is, I mean, the part of the trouble of the Old West Town is, I mean, if a vampire starts feeding, that's, you got a month's of supply of food. Yeah. <laughs> that one's, that one's rough. So, so we need, we need to tweak the vampire mythology some so they're not feeding every night or anything like that. Um, should we like throw in like a werewolf element? They, they have to feed on the full moon. Um, I, I think it's fine if they only need to feed periodically. Um, are you thinking that they, they do eat humans in this case, or are, are we going to go with <laughs> livestock cows, or, cows and horses what? and pigs? Coyotes oh got the livestock again. Darn what if thing. this is the <laughs> most peaceful Western town ever? Oh, all the all the all the bad guys right, disappear. Because, all the, all yeah, the they black come in. They cause trouble. Away. Yes, before the sheriff could even get to them, they come into the night, take out the riffraff, and it's the most peaceful town. Mm-hmm. And all all you know is like somehow. You think that the the school teacher and the house of ill repute have something to do with it, but you never see them interact because they don't come out during the day. Or, okay, they only interact at night, so nobody knows about another it. Another possible angle: sheriff, very honorable, moral man. So he's not going to frequent the house of ill repute, but he's kind of in love <laughs> with the woman in charge of the house of ill repute. <laughs> but he's also bored out of his mind because there's never any crime in the small town. <laughs> Yeah, that would be so great. So, but what if the what if the two vampires are love each other from a, like a remains of the day, just because of how things are going and because of what they're doing, they their their love must always be at a distance. So, what what if we're going back? So, so school master, the house what, of Ill house repute. of Ill repute. They're in love with each other. I mean, Andrew did point out like at nighttime. Why don't they? actually go meet well just what if it's just too what what if they're just too proper but <laughs> but but so i i what's fun about a rom-com there's no one so they're gonna follow the courtship rituals but they can't actually court so, during but, the day but in, the, in traditional comedic like a jane austen style comedic uh shakespeare kind of comedic there needs to end in a marriage and it's better if it ends in a double marriage so we got a double, we've got a right. double. So there's the unrequited love of the house of repute and schoolmaster and then there's another 
pairing. That they they help get together, and in doing so, they finally resolve their stuff. Resolve their, you know, whatever that was. Right, so they're like the vampire peacekeeping yentas. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I think we're heading into, like, the story that's been done to death. I mean, (laughs) who hasn't heard that pitch right now? (laughs) The vampire peacekeeping yenta in the Old West. (laughs) In the the American Old West. And so the the question is, if there's a balance... What if schoolmaster? If there's a balance, what gets tipped? Sorry. No. What if the schoolmaster and the and the madam of the house of ill repute are aren't actually in love with each other? They just are like really good. They, they just and and they they're kind of sick of it because like we're not we're not going anywhere romantically with each other. Right. But we're we've also been, the only ones out here at night taking care of all this stuff. We've known each other for a thousand years. We've done the we've I mean we we maybe we have <laughs> yeah. been lovers in the past. There have been times when, you know, but at this point in our lives, we we're getting each other a few times during a war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've reached a point in our lives where we're just really good friends. We like we like it when the sun goes down and we, we meet together and we sit out on the front porch and we think about we the young people out a in way this to, town. To take, we figured out a way to take our damnation and use it for <laughs> the greater good. And so what we really want to do is just look at the young people in this town and try to try to you know shepherd them into uh into uh happy relationships with each other you want to grow so this, they're, they're going to grow this town and they because they're immortal <laughs> this could be an experiment that goes for a long time for them so Sometimes you could make them the matchmakers and they're not necessarily the feature of the romantic comedy element right yeah. so there's a younger couple of comedy <laughs> that there's a younger couple that these two think should get together but they're not getting together. And so they're trying to manipulate it, but they can't go out during the day, during the courtship times. Oh, this right. is, yes. I like it. Yeah. Now, so we're, now how, we're dealing with some of the hassles of... How do they... How do they... Yes. <laughs> because they've done this for a thousand years, they know. And it's like, we know that they don't know, but we know. And we have to put them together, and that's how they will be happy. It's they like the right smell now, the attraction that the other ones are not yes. seeing. <laughs> Is it like the greatest idea? Is it the and young straight-laced sheriff? And you know, one of the one of the uh, you know the the ladies that works in the. I feel like that would be too much. Easy, almost. Okay. You know, if I th- I think what they have to like manipulate them by manipulating their students and the the people of the house of ill repute. Like they have to manipulate the people in their sphere of influence to influence yeah. these other they, people. They've got to build a social Rube Goldberg machine that they, <laughs> yes, they, they can't ever be out there at day to, to make sure it's, it's so they have to like, they got to well oil this thing at night. Yeah. And, 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 get, and, and, and during the day when, when teaching lessons, <laughs> things have to be slid in so that it manipulates. <laughs> and, and this is the challenge, right? Because, uh, well, well, if you go back to game theory, um, Game is when you take any kind of thing and willfully introduce an impediment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, the classic example that Jane McGonigal talks about is like golf. Like put a hole in a ball. That's easy. Yeah, but you have to do it with this bent stick. <laughs> so it would be like hooking people up is easy. Except but you for have what to they do it <laughs> only indirectly. And you can't interact with them during the daytime. Right. And can, can are we good enough after a thousand years of practice to crack this very most difficult case? Yes. 
And I like, okay. like, okay, as part and of it. And at the same time, they're, they're clearing out all the black hats at night. Yeah, because yes, they're going to hint, they spent uh, enough time destroying civilization. Now they kind of want to build one. Yeah. And so they went and, to the old west. They went to the old west. They went to the frontier. And they're going to live for hundreds of years. They can manipulate this entire so town. they want to establish, like, the couple for the town. The power couple. Yes, that's going to that's, that's gonna be, uh, you know, the, the ones that take this small uh, fringe thing into a, into a thriving city. Like, mm-hmm. they, 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 yeah. If they don't hook up, they'll leave. Right, because one of them's on the cusp of, like, calling it quits because this town's you know the edge yeah. of nowhere and nothing mm-hmm. yet but if they could love and and build a thing whatever so here would be the choice that i would be f- make what in order to get this couple together they have to not kill a bad guy for the first time mm. okay so that's so, their choice but they don't like, want them to do too much bad because right. that would be a problem as well but they said if they can come together over the bad guy then they might hook up oh. but if we just took the bad guy out and then that would be the moral choice within this moral universe that would be really difficult for them to make mm-hmm. how much bad can we sustain in order to allow this good thing to emerge to to allow a city to build you know, right. yeah to this couple to happen with the goal of building a civilization that isn't just uh, i i think you'd get into the theme like if we are uh, overly protective of these humans, yeah. the society's not going to build. Like it's just going to be a bubble, and we need we actually need to lessen some of our control to allow a true civilization to build. Like like mm-hmm. parents with children, if you protect them the entire time, they're you know they're yes. going to be in, inadequate adults. Yeah. So I who would be the good balance to Sigourney Weaver? Who well, would who was, would be the if school? If he was still mark? with us, it would have to be Alan Rickman, but <laughs> in the old west, uh, I was thinking um, Robert Duvall. <laughs> Um, I was the the guy, Big Lebowski. Jeff Bridges? Yes. Jeff Bridges. Jeff that's Bridges. the one that was coming to my mind. That's, that's Probably because it. of True Grit. All right. I mean, some of this may be because I wrote a book on Frasier. But what about David Hyde Pierce? I mean, David <laughs> Hyde Pierce is, is, is for romantic comedy. For comedy. And that does allow for a good bit of comedy. I'm picturing him in situations where he's avoiding the, the light the, the coming daylight. through windows. Yeah, physical comedy. He's, and he's avoiding just like, the daylight. He's just like ducking underneath the shadows and windows. Like, don't mind me. Uh, I wouldn't have thought of that, but I can totally go for it. I'd go for it. Because if he, okay. was, pers- if he was revamping the persnicketiness, that would be great against the kind of very calm matter-of-factness that Sigourney Weaver can do now. Mm-hmm. At this I, point in her career, I feel like just, he could do a great school teacher, I, vampire school. I, I think teacher. oh, he's the school. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's just got to avoid the windows. Come in, students. <laughs> okay, uh, I think we got time for one more. If we, right. if we, all right. Push. There through. are so many slips in this in this hat. I yeah, you guys could do yeah. it again, no problem. All right, this time we're going to get. Oh, Todd, it was a Todd Peterson choice, but we already actually threw one at you. So let's do. Oh, we, I just drew vampire, so let's uh, yep, let's sorry. throw that one out. That was, that was in there. Zombies. Zombies. Oh, you are going to need to establish whether you want uh, Romero-style shambling zombies or uh, modern-day World War let's Z. See, let's see what other factors we get, we get coming zombies. in. Or, yeah, intelligent zombies or dumb what zombies. are the Caribbean slave zombies? Oh, that's the, the old-school zombies. Uh, the location is a cabin in the woods. Ooh. Ooh. All right, let, let's hope we get some fun with the uh, featured players in the genre. Our featured player is Joe's choice. 
All right, who do you want, Joseph? Victor Garber. Ooh! <laughs> I'm, I have no idea why that came to mind. It's, I, I don't either. It's just it's what popped up. Ooh. And our final our I genre actually watched is, uh, is comedy, guys. All the comedy. Oh, I, I watched Alias all the way through. We did. I can't remember if I ever finished that one off. Because it was uh, like early days of TV on DVDs. I and think I, I, I can't remember if I got D- all those, of the DVDs. I got those DVDs from you, I think. But it would have been from Virginia or one of our other sisters. Okay. I never owned them. <laughs> Victor Garber. Okay. Comedy. Comedy. Zombies. Cabin in the Woods. Victor Garber. Well, we better okay. say it right. It's a zombity. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a it's a zomcom. <laughs> Uh, did you was that a term that came about with uh warm bodies the 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 zom rom-com drum because it's a little bit dramatic too okay was that used though so you didn't Uh, i used it okay zom rom-com drum (laughs) all right uh we're gonna have a similar question uh is he a zombie or is he oh uh you know a a human threatened by And, and we haven't established what kind of zombie we're dealing with um, and what the goal is. Is he just in the woods and then the zombies come? Is he hiding out from zombies? Uh, Victor Garber, home alone, but with zombies. <laughs> so he's, he's building traps around this cabin in the woods. He's building traps. It's the perfect comedy. I, so what if he's what? a, what if he's a writer and he's gone out into the woods? Like his life, his life in the city is just too crazy. There's too many distractions. He's he can never just can never just sit down and write. And if he could just have some peace and quiet, sit down in front of a his computer, or maybe even like a Moleskine notebook or something, then he could really get something done. So he he makes this determined uh, decision that he's going to leave behind all the distractions of the city and go out into the into the town just as the zombie uh, apocalypse begins. And every time he tries to sit down and write, he's interrupted by zombies. Yes, all of it. And he, and he doesn't even care. He's like, I just want to sit. I know. He's <laughs> not. He's not concerned about Guys, the outside world. I, I have the story now. I've, I, the muse has spoken. <laughs> so he's dispatching like he just is dispatching these zombies as quickly as possible. Not really in for the sake of survival, but just so he can get back to writing. <laughs> and so he's trying to like build the greatest fortress. Yeah. Just just Again. to have a few hours. <laughs> This this like five minutes of uninterrupted writing time is is gold for him. All right, Todd. I, I don't want to make any assumptions, but you are the father of young children. Is this perhaps <laughs> you trying to barricade a metaphorical shift of one from your everybody? Life? <laughs> every writer ever will get this, but but up the stakes. He is writing his second book. He wrote his first book, and he had all the time in the world because it was speculative. He sold the first book. This is not autobiographical at all. He sold the first book that was mostly done, and then also sold the second book, and it was enough money. And this happens a lot, like um, Amor Tolls, who write A Gentleman of Moscow, which is another amazing book. When he got the second book deal, he quit his day job as uh, someone working in the financial sector to write full-time. So if you have the stakes to say that Victor Gerber now is at first book, everything's going, he's got a timeline to do the second book, and then the worst possible thing that could happen would be an apocalypse. (laughs) 
because he has been i mean we have victor garber he's older so this has been his life's dream is to to be a writer these these books out like this is his pride this is his his self-identity like he had a a drone robotics job and every night he was doing he he was the zombie yeah he he, but he was trying every night he'd come alive and write for that you know two-hour window that he had so Uh, now he's out in the woods and what if it's a little bit like shauna the dead and he doesn't even know that this has happened for a while well, yeah, when Todd said he, he went out to the woods right as the zombie apocalypse happens, like, he doesn't know so the zombie apocalypse So how long does it take the for the city. zombies to right. get to the woods? Yeah. yeah, so he's got this time, and it's really kind of nice, it's developing, and maybe there's one zombie that comes through, and he's like, what's that noise? And then the zombie, and then just goes past. And he doesn't know what it is, he's just like, how's somebody bugging me all the way out here? <laughs> okay, I also have the vision, because uh, when I've done some of my writing projects, both creative and and nonfiction i end up with um a wall where i'm mapping out my ideas he like he's done dry away race on this giant mirror that's in the cabin and it breaks from one of the zombies and that's like the snapping point for him like no <laughs> no <laughs> but my ideas i had it that was it was there i finally so cracked it <laughs> and that's when he becomes violent with the zombies where before it's always using, just using the glass yeah to, yeah i to have to go take care zombie. of this now apparently <laughs> So it's sort of like strains of The Shining, <laughs> in that that he's like, okay, enough is enough. Yeah, before it was always like, I'm okay, There's I'm just noise and everything. It's fine. I'm locking all the doors and windows. A window I'm break. Secure. Can, coming. He moves into an inner fine. room and he walls it all off. But he's still writing. <laughs> right, and that's the absurd part that would be great. Like this seems like <laughs> this seems like it's right in the like Spike Jones comedy slot like at some point in time it's just absurd he must know that it's the end of the world why keep writing yeah you're not going to publish this book (laughs) it's like but it's the idea of it it's like no i have to finish this book i'm not gonna yeah like i'm not gonna go out of this world with this book unfinished i don't care if at a certain point so he took his cell phone with him but he had it off at a certain point he turns it back on and it's like a thousand messages just buzzing (laughs) nonstop. <laughs> and, and so he just throws it out the window. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, this is a distraction too. He like, no, I think he starts to scroll through, and then he sees like uh, he has a voicemail from his agent. Yes, that's <laughs> and, what and he's listening say. to it, and, and the agent like is, is is like saying something. Like, get get out to it, and and then you hear the agent die, and that's what he's like. No, <laughs> no, this, <laughs> this is how I you know I, I need that connection to the publishing world. Like it's not so the, the third death. act. He has to go back to the city. And he has to get it printed somehow. Is he trying to find his publisher? Is he trying to find? <laughs> he he didn't bring a printer with him. He he needs it like physically retained, so he needs to find a print or let's place just say, and plug it a flash drive or or whatever. He, just say he's done, and he's like, "I'm going to go turn it in." And, and then I will accept my fate. I feel like that, yeah, yeah, and then, that and then I will like just fight. I will face this world. I'll fight whatever I need to. I'll club my way out of this, but I'm going to see this through to the end. And I will deliver this to my publisher by my deadline. I see a scene. I'm set this. Victor Garber, disheveled, uh, a, a, a lot of fuzz starting to grow on the face. <laughs> I'm going with handwritten notebook. This is what he, he he's lost power, so now he's got, he's handwriting everything. Handwritten this thing like Neil Gaiman. You don't think he brought? He, no. You don't think he brought a typewriter? No, he is he's atop a tree. 
is is high up in the branches <laughs> and, of a tree. The, the, the cabin has been compromised. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like it cuts to like like two weeks later. Yes, and, and it's up in the tree. He's he's got like a what, what are those uh, things that hunters use? A uh, oh, a blind. Yes, a blind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, down below you see Milling the zombies. And, and, and he's he. You've seen the progression of of his notebook. He's he's down like to the final like the uh, edges, ten pages, the, the ten edges pages, of, yeah, of pages, yeah. tiny handwriting. And, yes, yeah. And, he, and he's muttering to himself, uh, and, and you just hear the moans of the zombies down below. I I think the the tone of like the music and uh, the editing and everything like like this is going to be. <laughs> You, you can't be playing this straight at all. Like, no. the, the absurdity is so high. Like you said, it's gotta be Spike John, Johns or, uh, or Wes Anderson. Like, like, <laughs> this is a heightened reality from beginning to end mm-hmm. of, of the obsession of a writer trying to get a story out. Exactly. And that it's like he will, undeterred. <laughs> and then, uh, he, like, finishes writing, tucks it into, like, the innermost pocket that he can of, of a few layers of clothing, and that begins, his, his way back to the his city. quest to the city. Yeah, and and he somehow he, he sets some preparation so he can get away bat. from this group of zombies. Yeah, he duct tapes but. a machete to a baseball bat and then heads back <laughs> into town. <laughs> in the, you see him in the tree. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's a satchel hanging below him and he reaches in and pulls out a baseball bat. And the duct tape. And he's just looking down at the zombies, like not even paying attention to what he's doing. He's just looking at the zombies and, and you hear him like muttering the distance. He's got to go. Okay, <laughs> so the time I have to survive. There's this many zombies oh and I need to move at this pace to, to outpace them. If I stop for this long, they'll catch up. <laughs> There's a whole lot of people I'm rolling with right now who would die over this. Just <laughs> it's it's such a great metaphor for the business. <laughs> They're just clawing at you, waiting for you to die. Yeah, and all all writers really want, sort of, is to be left alone. But the, the writers are like cats. They want to be they want to be petted, but they don't want to be touched. <laughs> so they want people to know they want people to know about their writing they want people to love their writing but they really don't want to talk to anybody about it but they want well, to, they want to be told that their book was awesome but they don't want to talk to anybody to hear that it's so it always is oil and water it, it never mixes a, a couple episodes ago and this uh for you todd this hasn't posed yet uh but we discussed uh jo- jonathan strange and mr norrell and uh mr norrell we decided like he has this pride where he wants to be known as like the greatest magician, but he <laughs> hates the fame that comes with that. <laughs> like, and like he, big parties he, make him uncomfortable. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to be like praised by random strangers at all. He doesn't want to be recognized, but he wants to be known as the greatest magician <laughs> in all of England. But he doesn't want to, all the hassle that comes with being famous. Right. I I'm picturing like I don't know exactly how to make this work, but I, I'm picturing like a, a moment at the end. He makes it to the, uh, you know, probably with some montaging and, and some cuts. He makes it to the publishing office. He, you know, kicks a door down and he drops the notebook, um, on some desk somewhere. And I want there to be like a zombie there that's stuck there. <laughs> and, and so he just like leaves it like barely within reach and then starts walking away. And he's like, I think you're going to like it. <laughs> well, I, what you were just saying, I saw him like 
delivering the manuscript to the desk uh-huh. and then like dropping his weapons and walking back out into the zombie <laughs> yes basically like, and, like, then just arms out. and then just walking out <laughs> of the building and like, you don't see take me now but, but he's <laughs> he's ready for whatever his fate is he has finished yeah, his, he, his book he, he, he strips down like, yeah, all, he, <laughs> all the layers all the layers of as he's as he's walking all the out protection. He's, just, he's just dropping the 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 baseball bat he's taking off gloves and, <laughs> yeah. and extra layers of Clothing. Yeah, shrugging and off his shirt. Yeah, he's, so so he just no shirt. He just walks out, out the door. Take me. I imagine him doing like a like a Mean Girls style trust fall into the waiting arms of the zombies. <laughs> oh, he goes up to the roof and or or it's it's just like it's just um ten feet yeah uh, ten feet high. So he just opens a window at the publisher. And he just opens his arms and leans back. <laughs> I feel like, Todd Peterson, you said this could be like a metaphor for the publishing industry. I feel like we need to do something with the zombies to make it more specific to that. Like, these are dead writers that are clogging <laughs> the bookshelves for, so his new story can't get out. Because <laughs> the same stories are being told you over and over. so many things like... It's the same story every time. None of you are unique. Like, you're all the same. What if there's a coffee house f- full of zombies <laughs> sitting at tables with their MacBook Airs? <laughs> you know, or or like bookstores full of zombies or or just you know as as you just kind of fill this up it would be there but one of the you know one of the tricks of the zombie movie is the zombies are scary enough but what's scarier is who's left so some <laughs> somewhere in this there's got to be some people who've made it also all right and I, I for him to like be horrified it has to be people who would never read a book <laughs> yeah. Or or what if he goes in to drop the manuscript off and while he's in there somebody else is also dropping off a manuscript. <laughs> All that's and, left are writers and TV watchers, oh no God. readers. It's like it's like the stories in LA about like waiters okay. who are always like trying to drop off a screenplay or something. Mm-hmm. The only people with enough fortitude left are are writers <laughs> dropping to pitch. Um, I, I, and I, I'm picturing like the metaphor, um, gets extended because he's, um, he, he like has a, a point where he's talking to the zombies. Like he's starting to lose it a little bit and he's talking to the zombies. He's like, don't you guys get it? I'm like you, but better. You're just going for the brains. I'm going for the mind. <laughs> and he's trying to finish his book. But yeah, I like the idea of another writer turning it in and they're both like, that. they just see each other and like, because huh. that competition thing is there. It's like, hey, good for you. Yeah. There would be this, like... He still does himself out the window. He, yeah. he still does the trust fall out the window. He's like, well, well I finished mine. Uh, I think part of the acknowledgement is they look at each other and, and they say, like, where were you? He's like, cabin in the woods. And the other one's like, I was living on top of a water tower. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is, none of them would leave because they'd think that the last person there would probably go throw their manuscript in the garbage so nobody would find it. <laughs> <laughs> mine was here first yeah mm. <laughs> i put mine closer like i'm farther i imagine the scene where somebody comes in and they're like well what are you doing here and they're like this is the last book ever written <laughs> and then they're like well no wait a minute this is the last book ever written no mine's mine's the last book and they're, they're like trying to write the last <laughs> okay. word to their book so they're extending <laughs> Word by word, oh, just I, watching each one. I mean, jumping back a little bit earlier, I, I see like he's made his way all the way to the the thing, and he delivers it, and he mutters that to himself. He's like, "This is the last book ever written," and he and he starts to walk out, and then he see that's when the other person enters, or there's someone walking and, and, out of another office. Well, and, like, and they're cradling their manuscript the same way he <laughs> yeah. did as, as they come in. He's like, "What are you?" He's like, "I'm a writer," <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> that's how it has to end. 
Flip. This is so absurd. I, <laughs> but it makes me really happy to think about. <laughs> I feel like we've done some really good work tonight. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's something to some of these. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something has happened tonight. Yeah, can we just can we recap what we've done? All right, oh, okay. uh, we opened up with Black. What was uh, the first one? Black Lagoon, Rupert Grint. And the, the interdimensional Which I, I, alien. I'm going to say, guys, I think we got stronger as we went along. I don't think that was our best effort of the night. No. And, and it's one of the least complete. We had, like, an act and a half of that one okay. figured out. What was our next? Was it uh, the old Emma, or no? Emma Stone, oh. Space, Mothman. That one really might be my favorite. That one, actually. That's and the good. themes that started to get teased out in that one, I think there was mm-hmm. more there than some of the, the like, the, the Black the, Lagoon one. The transitional mythology and, yeah. um, and all that. Then we had the old, old the, West. The, the vampires, romantic comedy, manipulating uh, the old West. I, I, well, I get it. It was like once we started to figure out some of the themes, uh, that one really. I, I think that maybe that's what was missing from the Black Lagoon one. We never figured out a theme, hmm. right? And we did for each of these other ones: yep. the transitional mythology, mm-hmm. the building of a society, and letting uh, evil. You know, yeah, let, like, the society has to let it. You have to let it go. Yeah, yeah but it, at the same time, the, you want to make sure that you've but, guided butterfly it. cocoon challenges kind yeah. of thing, right? And then uh, this last one, <laughs> the, the metaphor of the writer. I, yeah. That's all it needs. It's just the metaphor of the writer. <laughs> Immovable object. <laughs> Unstoppable force. And I, picture... I don't know which one's which in this. <laughs> Both and. I I can picture the um, the Victor Garber in the cabin in the woods. I can picture that being adapted into like a short film pitch. For the uh, independent film circuit. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, but I can also see it as as a full length film that people go watch. I mean, the, the thing is, you, you have to make such deliberate choices to- choices for the tone for that one to be a comedy. Yeah, you, but you also have to push that the, to comedy. The, yeah, for the metaphor to be so yeah, the, the metaphor can't be subtle in this one for right. for the comedy to work. I think. Um, but I really like the ending of that one. Just seeing another writer cradling the manuscript. <laughs> what are you, what are you, what are you doing here? I'm a writer. <laughs> Left. And and just like it, it, like this sigh is like no like I was supposed to do it the and and it, I think it should end on that the to- do you guys ever watch uh, Last Man on Earth I watched, I've watched some the uh, the first several episodes because I thought were so perfect mm-hmm. and then once it started to introduce other people it kind of lost me and I it, it I, really I, you wanted to see itself like there's about two or three episodes uh, every season that are some of the best television ever but that tone would be the right tone. Yes. Like it's the, the end of the world. Is one of my favorite pilots ever. Oh, yeah. yeah. The pilot of season three, the one where, where they introduced the Kristen Wiig character is almost perfect. 21 minutes of television. It's hmm. amazing. But anyway, that, that tone is where it would be at. It's like ridiculous. And then cut to the next scene. And it's sad. Absolutely. Like the saddest thing ever, which I, I love the juxtaposition of, Ridiculous and sad, going back and forth. My favorite. Oh, but I, I, the obsession of the zombies and the obsession of the writer. Oh, okay, <laughs> I think there's something there, guys. I, I, I think, uh, I think you could get somewhere with that one. Yeah. Well, thank you, Todd Peterson, for joining us for this special episode. Oh, what a fun time! Okay, that wraps up this 150th episode. Thank you for joining us, and thanks to those of you who have been with us for the long haul, and to, to the newcomers. For show notes and links to all of the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast 
app of choice and please leave us a review. It really helps us out. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out our previous Halloween episodes also starring, guest starring uh, Todd Peterson. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at protagonistpod, at Todd K. Mack, and at Jay Dorowski. Producer Andrew is Andrew underscore, at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And Todd Peterson is at Todd Peterson, S-E-N. Our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. We have great conversations there with all of our listeners and would love for you to say hello anytime. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. I left my I left my uh, ideas notebook at home and I feel <laughs> naked. At the moment. Do, do you want to grab one yeah. of my spare notebooks just to, to write some stuff down? Yes. In order to you impose order, I have graph paper. <laughs>